All right, H12, how we doing? Yeah, it's been forever, man. I missed you guys. Miss y'all. How, like, like, are you guys doing all right? I feel like it's been a long, long time since we last saw each other. Uh, last week, we didn't have H12, which was super sad, uh, but it's okay because we didn't have it because we were too busy celebrating America. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, come on, stars and bars. Uh, real quick, how many of you uh, over 4th of July, you did some grilling out. Anyone do some grilling out? Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, did anyone go to the lake by any chance? Lake Lanier? Yeah, that's it. Uh, did anyone, and this is a safe place, okay, you can admit this. Did anyone uh, procure some illegal fireworks and set them off at night? Anyone do that? Yeah. Spencer's like, yeah. I don't know if your mom's here. Anyways, um, so, uh, so yeah, we had a lot of fun on 4th of July. One of the things that we did uh, is I actually ran the Peachtree Road Race. Anyone else? Anyone in the room? Did we get any? We got, we got someone over there. Okay, yeah. Peachtree Road Race is actually a picture after, uh, after I finished. Uh, I ran it with some good friends of mine. Uh, so that's me uh, rocking the shades. Right next to me is my cousin Greg. Greg Venable, uh, he's awesome. Uh, right next to him is my uncle Jay. Now, I love this picture for like so many reasons. Uh, and, and I actually posted it to Instagram. Some of you guys showed the love. Uh, how many of you liked that on Instagram? I saw, yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, so my cousin Greg, this is one reason I love this. By the way, how many of you know Matt Venable? Matt Venable. Uh, some of you may not realize this. Matt Venable is my cousin. Uh, so we're related. This is his brother. So that's my other cousin, Greg, right there. So family connection. Uh, the, the thing I love about this picture is Greg is rocking some American flag chubbies, which I think is awesome, man. Like he ran in those things and he wore those all day long. So uh, America. Okay, so that was awesome. The other thing I love about this picture is my Uncle Jay. Now let me tell you a little bit about my Uncle Jay. Uh, he's rocking a mustache. And I think mustaches are awesome. And the cool thing about Jay is Jay has been rocking this mustache since before I was born. Like, he loves the mustache. Even before it was cool, he was rocking the mustache. So, like, literally, I've never seen him without a mustache, so I have no idea what, um, what his upper lip actually looks like. Uh, like, there could be creatures in there, for all I know. But he rocks the mustache, man, and so uh, he rocked it for Fourth of July. It was awesome. Uh, so I had a good time then, and the week before, many of you were here, uh, but I was not because I was in a little country called Haiti. Haiti. Yeah, so uh, we actually took 24 students to Haiti. It was awesome. Uh, I've got a picture. This is, uh, this is the plane ride going to Haiti. Some of you in the room uh, are there, which is awesome. Actually, let's do this. If you went to Haiti, could you go ahead and stand up real quick? We want to recognize you and celebrate. Yeah. That's it. Well done. Thank you, guys. Uh, so, man, I'm telling you, Haiti was awesome. We had a phenomenal time. Uh, I got to learn some Creole. That was one of the things we did was we actually learned some Haitian Creole. That's the main language they speak uh, over in Haiti. So one of the things I learned was cavuit uh, is goat, which are all over the place, okay? It's like an animal, and it's also like a food dish as well. So people eat goat, which is awesome. Uh, another thing is beef. This is really easy. Beef is cow, like, like beef. Right? It's so simple. It's so easy. Uh, anyways, uh, another thing we learned. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. Uh, just ask me later, not on the microphone. Um, so, another thing we learned, which this is cool, 
is we learned how to say what's up in Creole. And so I thought it'd be cool if I taught you guys a little bit of Creole, uh, how to say what's up. Like in America, when you pass someone, you like give them kind of the head nod, like, hey, what's up? In Haiti, what they say is sock passe. Yeah, sock passe. Hold on, you're giving away the ending. He's get, Okay, so sock passe means what's up. Let's try that together. Sock passe. Wonderful. Okay, so sock passe is what's up. Now, here's the thing. In America, when you pass someone and you say what's up, you might get like a head nod in return. Uh, or maybe they say like nothing much or just chilling or whatever. Everyone in Haiti, when you say sock passe, there is one answer and only one answer and everyone says it. And it's naboule. It's naboule. Uh, so let's try that real quick. Naboule. There we go. You guys are like local Haitians. Now, here's the cool thing. Naboule is, is the answer everyone gives. And what it literally means, it literally means on fire. On fire. So like you ask someone how they're doing in Haiti and they respond, I'm on fire, which is true. It's like 100 degrees in Haiti. It is the hottest country on the planet. Um, but yeah, so sac passe, naboule. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say sac passe. You guys say naboule. Cool? You ready? Okay, here we go. Sac passe. Okay, I need more. I need you like to give me more. Okay, I need you to be excited about naboule. You ready? Sac passe. There we go. There we go. Now you're like a local Haitian. It's awesome. Now, uh, in addition to learning Creole, uh, we actually had a chance two Wednesdays ago. Okay, so this was while you guys were having H12. We actually had a church service of our own, which is pretty cool. Uh, we, we got to hang out in this like little chapel. Well, it's kind of like it's little for us, but it's really big for them. And so we were hanging out in this chapel, and of course there was like no electricity. And so we had this one lantern, and we put it right in the middle of our group. And, uh, and it was awesome because we, we gathered up, all 24 of us, and we sang worship songs together. Uh, and then after we were done singing some worship songs, there were, there were students that actually like shared their testimony, talked about what God had already done in their lives, and then we sang some more. Uh, so we had like H12, I think it's the first H12 in Haiti ever, uh, which, is, which is awesome. So we did that, and uh, after the night was done, uh, everyone got their flashlights out, and we started to leave, and we found out that we actually had a friend that joined us about halfway through the service, and we had no idea. And so this is actually, uh, this is going to be a video of the friend that joined us during our worship service. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah, so we had an eight-legged tarantula join us for some age 12 worship, and I believe that was Maddie saying, that looks like my grandma. So for the record, I don't want to meet your grandma because that's scary. That's scary. Uh, so apparently that's how they do it in Haiti. That's what worship services are like is you have, you have tarantulas. Um, another thing we got to do is we got to meet the uh, local Haitian leadership council. Uh, and so this is pretty cool. Uh, the, the, the town that we were hanging out in was a town called Circa D. And they had this group of leaders that were responsible for like the vision and direction of where they wanted Circa D Haiti to go. So this is actually a picture of, uh, this isn't all of them, this is just a few of them, um, the leadership council. And the thing I love about this picture is they're right in front of land that they just bought. And so it's not like we went over there and like we gave them money. No, we didn't do any of that. Uh, they, on their own, raised money and they bought a field. And the reason they bought this field was because they're going to build a clinic in Circa D. And uh, like when you get sick, you go to a clinic or an ur- uh, urgent care place. In Circa D, if you get sick, there's no hospital, there's no medical clinic. There's no urgent care place. Like, there's, there's nowhere that you can go. So either you, like, hang out at your house and you just get more sick, 
or you walk miles and miles to the nearest town that actually does have a medical clinic. So as you can imagine, this was not okay with the leadership council, so they raised money, got money together, they bought the land, and this time next year they should have the clinic built. And so we, we said, all right, well, let's get you in front of the land so we can take a picture of you in front of the land, and then next year it'll be you in front of the clinic. Um, and I want to tell you a little bit about this guy right here. So uh, the guy in the blue shirt is named Osley, and Osley is the treasurer for the leadership council. So he was, he was involved with, like, all the purchasing of the land and, and, and all that stuff. And there was, there was this one night or, or, or this one day where we got to hang out with Osley and a few other local Haitians. And uh, he doesn't speak any, uh, any English. He only speaks Haitian Creole. And there was a translator there with us. And he told us about kind of a day in the life of a Haitian and told us about his life and all the things he's been through. And then he asked us to share what life was like in America, uh, which is man, that's like really humbling to do after they've told you like all that they've been through and then to tell you like, oh, well, like I went to college and it was easy and like I barely paid for it, you know, like it, it was just crazy. Um, but after everything was done, Osley offered to pray for us. And this was, this is crazy because sometimes when you think of mission trips, you think you're going to go and you're going to tell a bunch of people about Jesus or you're going to like bring Jesus into Haiti. Uh, Jesus is already in Haiti for the record. Uh, he's doing unbelievable stuff there. And uh, Osley wanted, instead of us praying for him, he wanted to pray for us. Um, and so he, he began to pray. And again, he doesn't know any, uh, any English, and so he's praying in Creole. And he had to, like, pause to let the translator, like, translate the words that he said. But as he was praying, it, it was even through the translator, it was one of the most passionate prayers I've ever heard. Um, like, like I could, I could sense all of us in the room getting closer to God through his prayer. It was like, it was like spiritual breakthrough. It was emotional breakthrough. Uh, like it literally almost brought me to tears. He was quoting scripture left and right. Like the way he was praying was unbelievable. And I don't know if I was the only one in the room that felt this way, but like I, I looked around and I was like, man, I don't think we know how to pray. <laughs> like, like this guy knows something that we don't know because I don't think we're doing it right. You know, because like usually when we pray, it's like, dear God, um, can you help me with this test? I didn't really study, but you're like a miracle worker, so can you do something with that? Or like, hey, can you get her to like notice me or him to notice me? Or like, God, uh, I, I really need your wisdom because I can't get three stars on this game, so can you help me out like just, you know, with this game? Or God, can you, can you change my parents like just completely because they're crazy? And so if you could get me new parents, that'd be great. Like those are our prayers. And yet this guy, when he prayed, it was like the complete opposite, that he was so focused on God, he was quoting scripture, there was this unbelievably bra uh, unbelievable breakthrough that happened as he was praying. And so I'm looking at the difference between the two, and it's like, man, I don't, I don't think we know how to pray. Uh, in fact, for some of you in the room, maybe, maybe this is the thought that you have. Um, you've had the thought like, I don't even know if prayer works, if we can go to the next, next slide. There we go. Yeah, does prayer even work? Right? Like, like maybe for some of you, the reason you don't pray is because you've asked this question and you assume that prayer just doesn't work because you've tried it and it just doesn't seem to work. And maybe, maybe the reason that prayer doesn't work <laughs> is because we're not doing it right. Like, like maybe, maybe we just are doing this whole thing wrong and maybe there's someone out there that actually knows better than we do. Uh, and I wonder if we feel the same way that the disciples of Jesus felt. Because there were many times where Jesus would go by himself to pray, and then he would come back, and <laughs> things would just be different. 
Like, he, he had this connection with God that everyone looked at him and said, dude, that is, that's unbelievable. Like, there was some sort of spiritual breakthrough, some sort of emotional breakthrough that he had through prayer. Uh, in fact, there's this, this one time, this is uh, Luke, one of the followers of Jesus, wrote this down. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, like, Jesus, you're doing something different than the way that we're doing it. Like, we've grown up and we've prayed all the time, but, but God, you got something different going on. Like, like I, think, I think there's something you know that we don't know. Lord, would you teach us to pray? And thankfully for us, Jesus said yes. And he actually taught them how to pray, and I think he could teach us how to pray as well. So I want to look together at what Jesus actually said about prayer. If you grab your Bibles, they should be like right under your chairs or in your lap. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 on page 970. So look at uh, page 970, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that many of you have probably heard before. Uh, you've probably seen it before. In fact, if you grew up in like the Catholic church, then you might have actually memorized this. Maybe you've heard it song in, in, in songs, uh, uh, sung in songs before, whatever it is. Uh, you've, you've, you've probably heard this before. And what I want to caution you against is just glazing over these verses and thinking, I already got it. I already know it. Because I don't think we do. I don't think we quite get the heart of Jesus when it comes to how to pray. Because, because when Jesus prayed, and when he gave them kind of the model prayer, like this is the way that you should pray, Jesus did not want them to just like mimic the words that he said. Okay? That was not the point. It's not like Jesus had these like magical words and phrases that if you say it just the right way, then God's going to listen to you. Like that's not it at all. See, God doesn't want us to just repeat his words. He wants us to reflect his heart. And, and, and so that's what I want to look at. When we look at these verses, I want to look at the heart of Jesus as he prayed to his father. So listen to this. Uh, starting in verse 9, Matthew chapter 6. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pause. Pause there. See, Jesus at the outset says, before you go any further, like before you move forward in praying, you got to pause and you got to understand who you're actually talking to. You have to know who you're addressing. This, when you pray, it's more than just asking for things. You need to start off by knowing who, who it is you're talking to. So this is what Jesus said. He said, our father, our father in heaven. And when he said this, Again, you've probably heard this before, so it may not seem like anything earth-shattering. But to his followers, to his disciples, this was a giant idea. This is huge. Jesus used two big words. He used Father and he used Heaven. And this was one of the first times that anyone ever prayed to God. And when you address God, instead of saying, oh, creator of the universe, like, oh, 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 master that knows everything, oh, all-knowing being. And all those things could be true. But what Jesus said was dad. He said, Dad. That's how he began things, by saying, Dad. He used this father was very intimate. Very intimate. Okay? It, 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 was, it was not uh, addressing someone that was very far away. It was addressing someone that was near to him. When he prayed to God, he said, Dad, my father. This is intimate. Intimate. But then, when he said heaven, is very infinite. And so, at the same time, Jesus is saying something that's incredibly intimate, and yet at the same time, infinite. So he's looking at God. He's saying, God, you're bigger than I can imagine. God, you're in heaven. You're not on earth. 
You created the earth. You're bigger than I can imagine. And yet at the same time, you're closer than I know. You're closer than I know. And see, this is huge. Jesus, Jesus addressed God as intimate and infinite. And he said both. It wasn't just one or the other. It was intimate and infinite. That God is so close to me. God is so near to me. And yet at the same time, he's bigger. Bigger than I can possibly understand. Now, now before we go any further, I want to go back to the, um, our Father. Our Father. I want to talk about this word, Father. Because Father, or Dad, is an emotionally charged word. So what I mean by that is when you say Dad, there are these emotions that spring up inside of you. That you don't even mean for them to be there, they just are. And, 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 and so for some of you, when you think of Dad... You think of a man, here's a guy that loves me, he knows me, he cares about me, he's kind to me, he's gracious to me. Maybe when you think of dad, that's the emotion that rises up in you. Maybe for some of you, when you think of dad, you think of, well, he's nice, but like he's kind of a pushover, you know, and like I just ask him for money and he gives me money and it's just kind of like there's, there's, there's a relationship, but it's not really that big. And so that's the emotion that rises up in you. Some of you, when you think of dad, you think of disciplinarian. You think of someone that, for whatever reason, you're just, you never quite measure up. It's just just never good enough. And so you're always being disciplined. And so when you think of dad, you think of maybe a little bit of fear. Maybe for some of you, when you think of dad, you think of someone that works really hard to provide, but he's just not home a lot. Because, I mean, after all, like, he's got to make money, and so... And so you, you just think of him as a little bit more distant. Maybe for you, when you think of dad, you think of someone that's absent. He's just not even in the picture. Maybe because he left. Maybe because God took him away. Maybe for some of you, when you think of dad, you think of someone who's abusive. Someone who's verbally abusive. And so when Jesus prayed, and he said, our Father in heaven, you need to know this, okay? God is not the reflection of your earthly father, of your dad. He is the perfection of your dad. God is not the reflection of your dad. He's the perfection of your dad. So if you're blessed like me to have a dad that loves you, knows you, cares about you, is gracious towards you, then God is not that. He's better. God is better than that. He's more gracious. He's more loving. He knows more about you. He is more caring. But if you have a dad who's been absent, a dad who's been overly disciplinarian, a dad who's been abusive, your heavenly father is not that way. And you need to know that. You need to know that that is not your heavenly father. Like the gap that exists between what you want in a dad and what you actually have in a dad That gap is closed by God. Like the need that you have for a dad that actually loves you and a dad that actually cares is found in your heavenly father. And so you may be stuck with a terrible dad. And that is an awful, awful thing. But when you pray to your father that is in heaven, he is not the reflection of your earthly dad. He is the perfection of your earthly dad. He loves you more than your earthly dad ever could. And so when Jesus is praying, he says, before you go on, before you start asking him for things, before you start praying anymore, you need to know who you're talking to. You're talking to someone who is unbelievably infinite. He created everything we've ever seen. 
and yet he's intimate. And he knows you, and he loves you. And so then, then, once you know our Father in heaven, the next thing he says, right before that, is hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed means like set apart. It means different. It means other than. It means holy. In other words, God, your name is not like anyone else's name. God, your name is different than everyone else's name. God, your name is big. It's huge. Even your name is unbelievable. See, when, when, when Jesus was talking to his audience, the people uh, in that day, they revered God so much that they wouldn't even bring themselves to writing his name. Because they believed his name was just that incredible. It was just that holy that they wouldn't even write it. In fact, later on in Revelation, Jesus, when he comes back, describes God. And he says, God has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. So God is so big that even his name is too far beyond our comprehension. So when you're talking to God, before you go any further, the first thing you say is, God, you're big, you're incredible, and yet you love me like a dad. And yet even your name is too big for me to know. And Jesus didn't want us to just say these words. He wanted us to mean it. He wanted us to relate to God and actually mean the words that we say. And so once you know who you're talking to, this is the next thing that he encourages us to say. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, not mine, but yours. And see, whether you realize it or not, all of us in this room, we all have a kingdom. Again, you have a kingdom. You have a kingdom. I have a kingdom. And, and for whatever reason, we're just bent towards trying to build up our kingdom. We want our kingdom to be good. We want our kingdom to be awesome. We want us to have the greatest kingdom on the planet, right? And, and, and you build your kingdom through retweets. You build your kingdom through Instagram likes, through sports recognition. You build your kingdom through your family. You build your kingdom through the stuff that you have, the job that you have, the car that you have, the money that you have. You build your kingdom through influence, the school you go to. And the friends you surround yourself with. And, 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 and we are so, I'm telling you, man, we're just bent. We're bent on our kingdom. See, after, um, after the Peachtree Road Race, uh, I already told you, my cousin Greg, he and I, uh, we, we, we took this picture together. And I'll throw it back up on the screen. Um, and and, and this, is, uh, this is a picture that, like, we both handed our phones to our wives. And they took the picture for us. And then immediately we posted it to Instagram. Um, because... Why else would you take pictures, right? Like, obviously, you need, you're going to post it uh, to Instagram or to Twitter. you gotta, you got to share with people. So we did that, and then we kind of went on with our day, and we, we ate some food. And uh, after we were done eating, Greg, my cousin, was looking at his phone, and then he looks at me, and he goes, dang it. I was like, what's up, dude? And he was like, you and I posted the exact same picture. You've got 79 likes, and I've only got 13 likes. And he was upset, man. He was, he was angry because his kingdom looked pretty small compared to my kingdom. And I got to be honest, man, it was awesome. I was like, yeah, 79 likes. And then, like, many of you commented on it, and I saw a few, like, emojis with the, like, you know, with, like, the muscle. And someone said something about burpee body, which is whatever. Uh, and so, I was, dude, I was feeling good about my kingdom. I was like, dude, my kingdom is pretty awesome. Man, I got 79 likes. I got all these people that are loving what I'm doing. My kingdom is great. And then Jesus steps in. He says, it's not about your kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. 
It's not, Steve, your kingdom come. No, it's God, your kingdom come. It's your will be done. It's, it's, it's God, whatever you want to happen today, the answer is yes. God, however you want to build your kingdom, even if it causes me pain, that's what I want you to do. Man, I want, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. God, I've got some things in mind that I would really like to happen, but if at any point the things I want are in conflict with the things that you want, then I want you to win. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. See, it's surrender. It's giving up our lives and saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you ask of me, the answer is yes. I'm going to do it. And if I ask you for something and you say no, okay, all right. And, and the length of your prayer when you pray to God is, is, is based on how long it takes for you, for you to get to a place where you say, yes, God, whatever you want, whatever you want. Because see, true prayer, true prayer is focused on God's kingdom, not mine. True prayer, throw it up on the screen. True prayer is focused on God's kingdom, not mine. It's not about my kingdom. It's not about the things that I want. True prayer is focused on God's kingdom, not on mine. God, even if it causes me hurt, even if it causes me pain, even if it's not what I want, even if it takes longer than I want. Okay. Whatever you say. It was about um, like a year and a half ago, and I found out that the Sugarloaf campus was without a student pastor. And as soon as I heard this, I don't, I, like, I can't really explain it. It, it. it may not make much sense to you, but as soon as I heard this, I, um, my heart was drawn to the Sugarloaf campus. It was drawn to the students, many of you that were here. And again, like, I hadn't even met anyone at the Sugarloaf campus, and yet for whatever reason, it was like, oh, I... Like, I want to be there. Like, I want to I help those students. I want to lead those students. I want to pray with those students. I want to talk with those students. I want to hang out with those students. And, 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 and again, for whatever reason, that's the thing that I wanted. I wanted to be at the Sugarloaf campus. And I had already been at 12 Stone for about a year. And so when I found out there was no student pastor here, I, uh, I talked to a lot of, like, the upper leadership. And I said, hey, um, you guys are probably looking for a student pastor. I just want you to know... Um, I, I would love to be considered. And, uh, and, and the early talks started really well. Like, it just seemed very positive. It looked like it was something that was going to happen. Uh, and then a few months went by, and nothing happened. And, uh, and then I even had a conversation with someone, and they said, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, like, it doesn't look good for you to be there. It looks like we're going to have someone else. And, uh, and then some more time went by, and still nothing. And I'd been praying about it, man. I'd been asking God, like, God, I really want this. God, I think, you know, I think this would be so good, man. I would love to do that. I'd love to be there. And I remember, I remember um, it, was, uh, it was early in the morning, and I woke up, and I, and, and I did what I'm talking about right now. I prayed through the Lord's Prayer, pausing and stopping after each line, making sure that I fully got each line before I moved on. And I was honest with myself. If it took me, if it took me more time, then I would sit in that moment. And so I began, uh, and, and I was actually like on my knees. I can still see it. Um, it it's like, uh, like I, was, I was in the living room, 
and the sun was coming through the blinds, and I could see the, like, lines of sunlight on the carpet, and I'm on my knees, and I start off, I'm like, God, you're bigger, <laughs> you're bigger than I can possibly understand. You made me, you love me intimately. Like, you sent your son Jesus to die for me. That's how we can relate to each other. That's the reason that you are my dad, and I love you. And even your name is huge. It's like, it's in a different category, God. Your name is better than anything I can possibly understand. You're a big God. You're a huge God. And then I got to this point. And I knew what I wanted. And I knew the thing I'd been praying for. And I was holding on so tightly to it. And then finally I said, God, you know how badly I want this. You know how much I want to be the student pastor here. But your kingdom come. And if you've got someone else in mind, then use them. And if you want me to be somewhere else, then fine. Like whatever it takes, God, if, if, if you think this is best, then this is not about what I want. It's about what you want. So, okay. I submit to you. I surrender. God, whatever you want to do. Okay. And, and I remember sitting in that moment, and it felt like, like a dream was dying for me. And yet I had to trust God. And obviously, you can tell that the story does not end there. It was about three months later that I got a phone call, and they said, hey, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a spot open at Sugarloaf, and we'd love for you to be there. And I, again, I don't know what would have happened or what could have happened, but I wonder, I wonder if that breakthrough wouldn't have come had I not submitted my will to God's will. I just want, like, like I wonder in that moment if, if that's what it took. If it took me throwing up my hands and saying, God, whatever you want, not what I want, but whatever you want. What if, what if for me that was the key to getting the thing that God had in front of me? What if for you, the spiritual breakthrough, the emotional breakthrough, the relational breakthrough that you're looking for is one prayer away? What would it look like this week, this week, to pray like Jesus prayed? How, how would your life be different if, if instead of just saying, hey, dear God, uh, thank you so much for today, here are the things that I want. What if instead you, you prayed through the Lord's prayer, our Father in heaven, pause, and you began to think about how big God is and how near he is. So they're going to throw a question up on the screen. Would you commit to praying like Jesus this week? Would you commit to praying like Jesus this week? And again, spiritual breakthrough does not come by repeating his words. It comes by reflecting his heart. It's by, it's a, it's by realizing that prayer is not about our kingdom. It's about his kingdom. It's about starting with the fact that we're addressing someone who's bigger than we are. 
And it's getting to the point where you say, God, you're so much bigger than I am that why would I want to be about my kingdom? I mean, shouldn't I be about the kingdom of someone that's going to last longer than I'm going to last? A kingdom that's bigger than my kingdom. A kingdom that helps more people than my kingdom. A kingdom that's been around for longer than I've been around. So would you commit this week to praying like Jesus? And for some of you, maybe it's two minutes a day. Maybe it's you sit down and you pause. Maybe as soon as you wake up, you say, okay, Dad, in heaven, you're really big. (laughs) And uh, your name is great, I guess. Your name is really cool. And whatever you want to do, Maybe for some of you, it's going to take a little bit longer because as you, as you begin to pray, you begin to process and realize that you're more about your kingdom than you thought. And you begin to think about the things that you care about the most and the thought of letting those things go for the sake of God's kingdom. And maybe for you, it's going to take you a while to get past that first line. As you start to think about your own dad, I wonder if you could hear God whisper to you, I'm not like better. I'm better than he is. I love you more than he does. I'm not going to leave you like he left you. I care more about you than you can possibly understand. I, like, I know you. I know all the stuff you've done. I know all the things that you're ashamed of, and yet, I still love you. Maybe for you, prayer is just recognizing that there's a God that knows every bit about you. He knows all your secrets, and yet, still loves you. So this week, every day, maybe when you wake up, maybe as you're going to bed, would you just pray honestly to God? Just the first couple lines and pause after each line and say, God, do I really believe that? And if not, would you help me? Help me believe that. Just imagine Imagine what kind of spiritual breakthrough could happen with just the students in this room. I mean, imagine how different your families might be. Imagine how different your friendships might be. I think about school, when you go to school, how different could that be? How different could your reputation be? How different could your emotional health be? As you begin to live for a kingdom that's bigger than yours, for a God that loves you more than you can possibly true prayer is focused on God's kingdom, not mine. Let me pray for you. Dad, Dad, you're, you're huge. Man, you created every star in the sky. You created all the emotions that we feel. You invented the smile. You're big. (laughs) You're bigger than I am. You're bigger than this room. You're bigger than this church. You're bigger than this state. God, you hold the universe in your hand. You are giant, and yet you know me. You love me. You know the number of hairs that are on my head. Even your name is big. 
I've been living for my kingdom. I don't want to do that. I want your kingdom to come in my life, in my friendships, in my family. And God, I know that at times it's going to be difficult. And I know that at times it's going to be frustrating. And it's going to take longer than I want. But I, I want you to know that whatever you want to do, that's what I want to do. So God, would your kingdom come and your will be done. And I do want to ask you that for these students, as they carve out time to speak with you, would you meet them where they're at? Would you, God, would you begin to whisper things that are true about who you are as they begin addressing you as their heavenly father? would you encourage them, even if it's just for five minutes a day, to talk with you openly and honestly? Would these words not just be words that we repeat, but an attitude that we have? Jesus, we love you. We pray all these things in your powerful name.